Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, welcome to the Five Pan Podcast. Hey. hey! That is harm- the most harmonious A we've ever had, I think. Beautiful. What a way to start the new season. Well, what a way to finish pre-season. It's our final pre-season podcast of 2021, pod 390, if you're keeping count. Um, and joining us this week, we've got Kevin Day. Hello to you. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm too hot, but apart from that, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, do you know what? Let's, we'll avoid the hot chat. Uh, because it sounds like a spin-off podcast. Uh, but anyway, hot chat. hot chat with JD. Hot chat with JD hot and Kevin. <laughs> what, are you, what are you wearing? <laughs> oh, not much because it is too hot. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Um, Andrew Street, hello to you. Hello. How are you? Are you too hot? No, I'm perfectly fine. This is a, if you could give me 22 degrees and sunshine every day of the year, I'd be a very happy bunny. It's not too hot. It's not cold. I can wear shorts without feeling like I'm about to uh, sweat my proverbials off. It's it's delightful. And to let my proverbials off, the other spin-off from Hot Chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and completing the lineup, Jesse Boyce. Uh, welcome back. Been a while since you've been on the podcast. Thank you, I think. It's, it's, yeah, it's good to be back. Last time we spoke, um, I think we were managerless. So it's good, yeah. to, good to progress from that point. I'm, I'm hot also, but mainly under the collar, trying to <laughs> choose my fantasy team. And also, get, is anyone else getting pestered by other people saying, which Palace player shall I pick? Yeah, none is the answer. <laughs> you look at our first six fixtures, don't pick any Palace players. Just completely avoid. Wait until we settle. Well, Jesse, we'll get your thoughts on Vieira in a bit. But before I do that, let's do some of our admins. So can I get a drum roll for a random patron, please? <laughs> it's Mr. Mike Pogue. Hey, Mike. Really? Hi, Mike. <laughs> yes, indeed. Ah. Brand new patron. Thank you for joining, Mike. And you can get all the rewards like Mike does on our Patreon, which include post-match podcast. There was a final pre-season podcast with Rob and Dom and myself uh, this week as well. Um, Patreon-only merchandise and access to the Patreon-only WhatsApp club at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash FYP podcast. Um, all patrons get an immediate 20% off our new line of merchandise, um, although merch is available to everybody um, at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. We've got a brand new design that's dropped this week, which pays homage to the 2010 Hillsborough team. So check that out uh, at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. I thought in part one, lads, we would talk about the Watford friendly, but also <coughs> maybe a sort of final pre-season thoughts. Um, so Jesse, I'll come to you first, just because I don't think we've got your thoughts on Vieira, but, but initial thoughts on Vieira and maybe sort of thoughts on Vieira now that we've had a sort of full pre-season programme. Similarly to choosing fantasy team, Anyone I come into contact with keeps asking me this. Uh, what, what do you think of Vieira? I'm sure you're all getting this. Um, my, my sort of default response seems to be, I just wish they'd given him an extra month mm. pre- pre-season, just because you've got to give someone in his position the time to give him, it's got to set him up for success, right? So yeah. not only is there the, just the simple fact he could done with an extra 30 days, it was about 45, 50 days since Roy left, he got appointed. Um, he also had the added admin of trying to re-sign all, you know, the well-documented uh, exodus of players and even Klein's only just been confirmed. I'm sure it was done earlier than that, but you know, 
that's a hangover from last season that should have been sorted out long ago. Um, so that's my only worry is that he's just not had enough time to prepare. And if things do get off to a rocky start, that will quickly become a talking point. Um, but I, you know, I have, you, you have to say that there is a nice buzz around that this is young players want to want to work for him. They want to sign for him. Love all that. Love everything that goes with that. You just really hope um, it does. There's not too, it's not too panicky too early with the, the sorts of results we get. I think we are slightly cautious about what the Chelsea score might be because we're not sure how he's going to line up. Um, but yeah, generally, I'm sure we can dive into all of this in a bit more detail as we go. But generally, it's an air of optimism, as, as there should be on the cusp of a new season. So it's just, I feel like he should and he will rely on some experience in the team and he gently easing some of these players. So that the fact that we're still seeing Kiata at centre back, I hope, is just to steady the ship. Got mm. some continuity from last year, but you've got to think that. Vieira sees himself in Chiate and can turn him into a bit of a destroyer that he's always threatened to be, but he's been used as a utility for us. But, you know, there are a lot of experience has left the team, you know, but Scott Dan, Cahill, McCarthy, and so on. We've lost some experience. So Chiate is definitely one of the more senior players now. And you've got to hope that Vieira tries to instill a bit of his fearless way of playing into Chiate. And we start to see him in the midfield at some point as the season progresses. So, that's my sort of hope at this moment. You know that um, air of optimism you spoke about there, Jesse. Could you tell your voice? <laughs> you, you, you don't say. I was really pleased about the start of this season. Now I'm terrified we're going to get smashed by Chelsea, and <laughs> we're going to struggle. Keep, you're channeling your inner Andy Street. Then <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> you really enjoyed um, the upbeat speech from <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> so it's this missing a bit of self awareness there. I didn't realise it came across optimistic. Hi, I'm just trying to just there's actually a few things I'm just trying to concentrate and get in there. So it was more about just trying to tick off a mental checklist, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, the Kiate point is an interesting one. I I I think he's he's been playing centre back purely because Anderson, I think, is a bit behind on his uh fitness with the rest of the team. Same with Luca, I think. But uh Kiate is an interesting one there, Kevin. I don't, I don't actually have him on my notes here, but um Jesse makes a good point there. He is obviously one of our more experienced members of the squad and we will need that or he will need that certainly at the start of this season and actually I hadn't really thought about Vieira part two uh, or sort of moulding him into an image of Vieira do you think that could be something that he could could w- would be thinking of doing well what I think is really interesting is that we all assumed that he'd be one of the people leaving the club there's all sorts of talk about a move to one of two Turkish clubs that he seemed to be up for. So there was a slight surprise that he was picked in the first friendly and, and it, it doesn't look like he's leaving the club. But as Jesse says, he's the player closest to Vieira in both in terms of physique and the way he plays if he plays midfield. And I think a lot of managers like to have a version of themselves around the place. They like to have someone who you know, they, they think can pass the same sort of message that they did when they were playing. So I'm really pleased that he's playing. I'm, I, I, yeah, you, you would hope that he's not going to be centre-back. You'd hope that the you know, Gray and Anderson is going to be the starting pair, but he's he's a good backup, without a doubt. But um, he is one of the players, as Jesse said, we've, we have lost a lot of experience. We've saved a lot of money by losing a lot of that experience. And to be fair, most of the players that have gone were fringe players by the end so we, we it's not like we've lost a real sort of hardcore nucleus if 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 Luca had gone and, and Schlupp had gone you'd be sort of more worried but um, I hadn't really put two and two to go back Chiarty and Vieira but it's a, it's a very good point because he, he is and he's exactly what you need and you know Chiarty in midfield would hopefully free up Conor Gallagher to, to be a bit more creative further forward because he's as we said before he's hinting in interviews that that's what Vieira told him that it, it, that's you know, pretty much indicating that he was told he'd be starting every week and that he'd be playing a bit further forward than he was at, at West Brom. Uh, but what, what's interesting is that we we have options, proper options. Mm-hmm. And I know we've said this before in previous years, crikey, it looks like we've got a squad. But for, for the, probably the first time in a long time, it does look like we've got a squad and it looks like we've got other ways of playing football. So we might see a plan B and a plan C when we're 6-0 down against Chelsea <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, also, I, I know 
You can't say we get carried away on this podcast. We have just dubbed Kiate the second Patrick. Patrick Vieira. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Um, Andy, let's get on to the Watford friendly then at the weekend. Uh, final friendly of pre-season. 3-1 win. Fairly comfortable, really. And to be honest, I mean, we, and Jesse was talking about Chelsea there, and we've all talked about the Chelsea game, and we're already trying to sort of quell our you know, the potential thrashing. But if you compare Palace against Watford at the weekend... Um, and Watford are a team that, you know, in previous seasons, we've sort of been going toe-to-toe with really in positions of the table. They seem woefully underprepared. Palace were much, much, much better. And so I think that that gives you a bit of an insight maybe into how Vieira's team are matching up compared to other teams around us in the table. Um, what were your takeaways from the uh, from that final friendly? Uh, the legs base in the main stand is woeful. Yeah. Um, if you leave on 60 minutes of friendly, you're, uh, won't miss goals. Uh, Wilford Zaha is still very good at getting penalties out of, uh, out of Watford, <laughs> which is excellent. And he's capable of winding up Watford and their fans, even in non-competitive football, which again is excellent. And that was about it. Good summary. Very good summary. Um, Wilf- a, friend, a friend of mine is a Watford fan who was at the game. And he said afterwards they all came away really worried because he said it looked like a different Palace and it looked like the same old Watford. He said it looked like Watford hadn't made any sort of progression in terms of the total player they're getting in and the sort of football they will clearly play. But he said it looked like... He said Palace were unexpectedly good, he thought. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Palace were, were fairly sort of just fairly solid and dependable and it looked like a very sort of professional outing as it has done really most of the preseason years. I mean, I've been to Charlton and watched the rest on streams and they've all been fairly sort of sensible actually and the preseason in general from what you're hearing from the club is very positive everyone's sort of in line with the project and the progress is there and the signings make sense but I think you saw that Andy that the golf between the two teams I think was pretty stark on Saturday and Wilf in particular I know obviously he won another penalty and, and wound them up but he is having a particularly good preseason as well another two goals for him on Saturday so what are your hopes for Wilf this season, in particular in that front three? Because obviously it was Mateta and Ayu alongside him, but it may be Benteke who's playing right now against Brentford B as well. But um, what are your expectations from, from Wilf? My expectations are that uh, if the patterns of play are changing the way that we think they will, we may not be quite so solely dependent upon him and nobody else. And if that is indeed the case, you would hope it might uh, necessarily lead him to playing with more of a smile on his face and being less inhibited because if, if you know in the previous system everything went through him and you know it was famously the fact wasn't it that we weren't winning without him until very very recently and it became a bit of a, a joke because we were a one one man team really and so I, I would hope that he would play yeah with a, with a slight more uh, you know, carefree attitude, not completely carefree, obviously, but uh, slightly less of uh, the weight on his shoulders of completely carrying the team. He's obviously going to be a phenomenally important player for Palace, no matter what. But, you know, I think the future's bright, isn't it? If, if the likes of Conor Gallagher are making runs forward uh, together with him and there's potential other attacking options that still may come in, the bow accounts and the uh, additional attacking options of Elise and hopefully as they coming back before too long when we're into the season. I mean, my, my concern is, as I think everyone is saying, it's an incredibly difficult start to the season. It's a new squad that needs time to bend in as well. And we've seen it before where clubs have brought in lots of new playing staff and have a difficult start to the season. And then they end up with a bit of a deficit to make up that becomes uh, a bit of a weight on their shoulders as well. So all I'm hoping is that we can kind of eke out some, uh, pretty un- unattractive points against some of the better teams in the next six or seven matches. Um, get a decent result against Brentford and hopefully give ourselves a chance going into you know the late autumn and Christmas period. It's interesting, uh, Jesse. JD, uh, you, you talked, uh, you know, the Palace were ahead of Watford, it looked like, in their preparation. And I agree with Jesse, it would have been brilliant if, if Vieira was our first choice and came in in the last week in May. But I, I think he's made really good progress, or seems to have made really good progress already in a short space of time. You just kind of think how much better that would have been, how much more progress we would have made in terms of recruitment and changing the way we play. But I think, in terms of not just playing staff, but coaching staff as well, as we talked about before, he's 
brought in a really top quality coaching staff in a fairly short space of time, experienced, you know, young coaches, but still experienced coaches and experienced in different levels of football around the world. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite impressed by the, the, the shape we're in at, at the moment. And I'm slightly more optimistic about the first few games. And I think, I don't know, it's unusual for me, but I, I kind of, I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're entering the realms of the unknown because we know that friendlies have no bearing whatsoever mm. on, on real matches. We, we don't yeah. know. It, 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 it could be that we find ourselves in a Frank de Boer situation, but I don't, I've got a feeling we won't. And I, I, I hope, and I, I think that Palace fans will, look at the way we're playing and, and go, well, you know, if we lose to big teams, then fine, that's what we used to do anyway, but at least we're going to lose to them trying to play more progressive football and hopefully we'll see. I think that it'll be time to judge us. The Brentford game will be the first time you can really sort of judge us rather than against the European champions and against the table-topping teams that are, are coming up. But also we've got, you know, West Ham is one of our first few games, isn't it? So, it's, you know, Everton's coming up in our first few games. It's sort of, we're, we're, we can measure ourselves against teams around us and if and if we're looking to improve then we shouldn't be scared of, of going to Chelsea away really it's just, it's just again it's just the unknown is it we don't know we don't know if Lukaku will play and how well he'll play and that will have changed Vieira's plans I think the, thing, the thought that they've got a natural centre forward playing for them Chelsea win they didn't have last season but I'm quite optimistic I think he's hit the ground running I think he's done a good job so far yeah that, your point there about had we got Vieira in earlier, yes, obviously that would have been better. But I mean, you can see the progress already, Jesse. And there seems to be method, doesn't there, behind the signings, method behind the coaching appointments that are brought in. Everything seems to be making sense, which I'm going to say it does feel very unpalaced, doesn't it? hundred percent. I think we we're all sort of preparing ourselves for the the trolley dash that we're so familiar with in the last week of the transfer window, and that looks like that won't happen. So that is refreshing. Um, maybe we've all forgotten what uh, pre-season, uh, the, un- the unknowns of pre-season feel like because we've had such a steady ship with Roy and yeah. we've yeah. sort of not had this feeling for a few years. Um, and that's that's been really interesting for us, I think. But I think there is two tif- there's two different types of projects, isn't there, in football? There's the experiment and then there's the splurge. <laughs> I think, you know, the, that word was st- first stopped getting used in football around the time that Man City were bought and Mark Hughes was manager and Robinho was signed. It was all like, oh, I really want to join this exciting project. And really it's just because they offered the most money and it was, yeah. it's take it or leave it. Whereas this type of experiment in the, in the palace camp is clearly, um, and it, it, it's, it, it's exactly that, you know, we don't quite know how it's going to work. Um, we don't know if it's going to get off to a rock, rocky start or a pleasantly, um, surprising start. So, but with that comes a lot of excitement. This is what preseason should feel like. Probably we've just forgotten how how they uh, how they used to feel like. Um, we're obviously hope that it all hits the ground running. Um, but there's that there's an unknown there, which is exciting in itself. And I think um, yeah, the games like West Ham and Brentford are good to see early early coming. Having said that, West Ham did finish the season better than I ever remember yeah. them being. So. But there, there you go. Are they going to continue that or are they going to fall under the weight of having fans back in that stadium? Because if there's one team that enjoyed playing in an empty stadium last year, it was West Ham. <laughs> well, you know, sorry, yeah. Jesse, your, your point, uh, I meant to jump in when you talked about uh, the amount of fans that ask you, what do you think, what do you think of Vieira? Arsenal fans in particular are the ones who ask because Arsenal fans are really jealous. There's so many Arsenal fans I've spoken to who would want him to be their manager because they just assume that he will be a manager as successful as he was a player. And he's such... I, I didn't quite realise how much of an icon he was to to Arsenal fans. And I think, I think that the whole world of football will be looking at us this season to see how Vieira gets on because when he first joined City's academy... He was being groomed, touted as, as Guardiola's eventual successor. So there are obviously huge opinions of his, his potential reputation, which hasn't quite come off. But I think everyone, and it's, it's, it's kind of great that for once everyone's looking at us at, and it's not because of the atmosphere, it's because of the, the, you know, the Independent yesterday saying Palace arguably had the best transfer window <laughs> not only of our Premier League season, but of any other club this season. So people are looking at us for football reasons, which is which is exciting. And But also, it, we prefer it under the radar, I think, as Palace fans. So, I mean, the, the, the profile we've got isn't necessarily something we, we uh, celebrate. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think we do prefer to be under the radar and, and winning the dreaded transfer window in inverted commas mm. hasn't worked out brilliantly for the last few teams that have won it. But thankfully, it is also complete bollocks. So it doesn't mean anything. Um, let's move on. Uh, to part two this is a question special episode we've got loads of questions from our listeners uh, let's have a quick break and we'll come back with questions we are sponsored again this week by Beer 52 now Palace have got a strong connection with the USA and always have done Joe Van Kirovsky, Greg Bahalter that new winger whose name I still can't remember from last week. I want to say Jason something. But anyway, as a listener of the FYP podcast, you can get a case of craft beer from the USA on us. All you have to do is go to beer52.com forward slash FYP, cover the $5.95 postage, and they'll deliver eight delicious craft beers to your door. It's that simple. Our friends at Beer 52 are heading stateside once again. Join them for a beery adventure. It's another spin-off podcast. Through the windy city of Chicago. Sample the finest craft beer from the coolest Chicagoan breweries from Bridgeport to Beverly, all at the price of the postage. Um, Jesse, we heard from Andy and Kevin last week who got sent Beer 52 beers. You've been sent some Beer 52 beers at some point, haven't you, recently? You uh, you fan of them? I am. I am. Obviously, they give you a bit of everything, so there's something for everyone. Um, I obviously went to the my go-to more IPA session stuff, but and then... You get forced into drinking the experimental coffee and coconut ones, don't you? <laughs> um, because that, and you know, that sort of forces you to try new things. So nothing wrong with that. I appreciate the uh, the sample pack. Thank you very much. Um, and as Palace know this summer, new try new things is the way forward. Um, Kevin, if, if Palace were a beer, what 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 beer do you think they'd be? Well, I mean, better than previously. It was a, previous seasons flat and bitter. Basically, we'd we'd be one of the. I knew Leave Jesse, me out of this. And, uh, there's there's loads of trendy microbreweries around Palace Way now. Yeah, you know, the SE postcodes have got a lot of. So we'd be one of them. We'd be a fizzy, sparkly, I some kind of lemony pale ale that the young people drink with a an unnecessarily garish tin, a red and blue diagonal striped tin with a nod oh, to. Good. Yeah, with a nod to a beer that we first brewed in 1862. <laughs> <laughs> Just something very exciting. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of which, Beer 52 experts are on a mission to find the very best beer anywhere on the planet. Each month, Beer 52 visit a different place, find the best small batch breweries, sample their finest craft beer, and then carefully curate a case to be sent to their lucky members. This month features the incredible UK exclusive beers from Temperance Brewing, Noon Whistle Beer, and many more coming in. Uh, in fresh from the state of illinois expect top u.s pale ales hoppy ipas and a cast of superb lager stouts and more but don't worry if you don't like the dark beer you can simply choose the light options your case will also include the award-winning beer magazine ferment as well as two tasty snacks to wash down the beer with there's no minimum commitment you can just take the free case try the beers and see what you think if you don't like it you can pause or cancel at any time just go to beer52.com forward slash fyp to claim your free case now that's the word beer numbers 52.com forward slash fyp Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Sponsored this week again by Beer 52. Go to beer52.com forward slash FIP to claim your free case of eight craft beers right now. Okay, questions from our listeners. Uh, Ray Kalinowskis. Hey, Ray. Ray. How Ray says, um, does anyone think last week might have been a high watermark for Kevin? I'm, I'm guessing he means in terms of positivity. Is that the most positive you've ever been on the pod? I think it was the most positive pod we've done for quite some time. I think one around the playoffs and around the FA Cup final, maybe. But yeah, it was. It was kind of difficult. It's hard doing a positive pod. <laughs> it's so much easier when we're struggling against things. It's, so, it's somehow funnier. But yeah, it was. It was a really, it's a really positive pod, and 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 this one's heading in the right direction. And long may it continue. I don't know what if we start winning. If we win five games in a row, it would just be hello. That's good, isn't it? Here's try this new whistle beer. See you next. <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> well, there was um, there the was pod. a point in remember the sort of start of the Pardew second season when we were sort of fifth by Christmas. Yeah, there were a few pods then. I remember thinking that were quite short because there was just nothing Is, to yeah. say apart from well, that was good again. <laughs> It's very difficult, isn't it, when uh, they're playing well? Um, which hopefully but hopefully, this watermark will get even higher, Kevin, over the next few weeks, uh, depending on how Palace get on. Speaking of, all right, let's 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 bring it down again. Toby Kinder. Hi, Toby. Let's hey, put Chelsea, Brentford, West Ham, Spurs, Liverpool, Weed, 
Sells you like that one. Um, how many points will we have by the end of September? And how many will it take to hold off the hashtag the air out from the Twitterati? I'll go to Jesse for this one. What are you thinking? Uh, well, let's just hope we breeze past that Chelsea game without being too scarred so that we, we, we're set up for those to get grab some points. Um, I think, as we just said, West Brom, the West Ham and Brentford games are where we can pick up some points. Uh, is that is that West is that August and September those fixtures you just said? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty much to be honest, pretty much to the end of October, they're they're they're, they're mm. fairly tough. Well, I've always put it down to like eighteen points before Christmas, eighteen after. So you're looking at what, like six, seven points a month. So let's try if we can beat West Ham and Brentford, or at least get the equivalent of six points from those first few games. That will be going great for me. Uh, but we don't want to get it's like one of those panicky starts where we get one point after five games. Yeah, That's although that, yeah, we did recover famously from the worst ever Premier League mm. start in or top flight start, I believe, in in hundred years. So you know, if anyone can do it, we can. Um, yeah, Andy, I've got a similar question here from Lee Ayres. Hello, Hi, Lee. Lee, one of our regulars, he says, um, having changed so much of our squad this year and replaced them with relatively untried youngsters and an untried manager, how confident should we be that this will not make us resemble a newly promoted side rather than one starting its ninth successive season in the top flight? Um, well, you still need to remember there are, albeit lots of new players, still a number of experienced Premier League footballers who will be starting and playing. And even some players who have some Premier League experience who aren't super experienced. So, you know, Greater and Zaha and Kiate know this league inside out. Mitchell has now become pretty well acquainted with it. Whoever plays out of Ward and Klein knows his league very, very well. Anderson's had some experience in it. What we've not done, and I think it's to Palace's credit, is what Fulham did three years ago. Mm. So, no, a, a year ago and then three years ago, I think, if I'm getting it correct, which is where they signed lots of the super promising players from League uh, and a couple of a couple of other uh, parts of Europe, but where the players didn't actually have all that much experience in England at all, and then it ended up being a very mixed bag of the players in terms of who was able to adjust to the league and who wasn't. I mean, the, the, I think the difficulty is really in the way that the schedule lines up. It's not inconceivable that we could have seven points at the end of October, um, just given the way that those fixtures fall. And I know that will sound horribly <laughs> negative, but it's just a very very unfortunate opening schedule so there is that and then in addition if you are changing your way of play um that's going to take some bedding in i mean obviously there's been a part of the pre-season and um the players will have to get up to speed quickly and certain of those players like gallagher and gavey have been out on loan so i've had to learn new systems quite quickly when they've gone out to different clubs um but but it's that start i think that's the tough thing I'd be much more worried, and I think we'd all be complaining more, if we were starting the Chelsea game with Cahill and mm. Piatti as our centre-back pairing, or Cahill and Dan, or Cahill and a possibly injured Tompkins. I think he's bought, they, whoever it's, whether it's Doogie, whether it's Parrish, whether it's Vieira, they've identified the areas where we need pace and, and energy in the youth, and they've brought players in. So I'd, I'd rather take that risk than, yeah. And, and I, I talk as somebody who was yeah, reluctant to let Roy go because that whole be careful what you wish for thing and we'll probably be safe at the end. But also, I don't think, I know it's a tough start, but I, there's only one unbeatable team in that division, really, and that's City. I don't think, you know, Tottenham fans are, are more anxious about the start of the season. I don't think Nuno's a particularly good fit for Tottenham. Tottenham are losing Harry Kane almost certainly, which I think is going to have a huge effect on their on their morale in the dressing room. West Ham are a team at our level, a team we should be aspiring to. And I agree with Jesse. I think West Ham really, really were helped by the fact that there are, there are no fans in the stadium because they turn yeah. really quickly. I, I generally not. I mean, I'm you know, it, you don't really want to be starting your first game against the European champions, but at the same time, you know. You've got to play them sometime. You might as well play them when they're you know, straight off the beach and they've got a lot of players that had really, really heavy schedules during the summer. So, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not predicting they will beat Chelsea, but I'm not as worried by, by the initial... You know, and it would be 
typical palace if we were to win at Stanford Bridge and lose at home to Brentford. Basically. <laughs> it would be. I, I think, you know, if you ask the question that we always ask or normally ask at this stage of the season, or I do, are we better than the three teams that came up? Then the answer is, yeah. yes, we are better than the three teams that came up. We would have been if we hadn't bought any new players or had a new manager. And I think we are, famous last words, comfortably better than the teams that came up. So I'm, I'm kind of you know I do I do have that nerves and that anxiety about something new because we know how badly it went wrong before. But you know Vieira's done a much better job already. I think just in terms of recruitment of coaches and players and the board did. So I, I'm I'm less worried about playing those teams early on than other people. I think. I think. Um... I mean, you can still be comfortably better than the teams that come up and still struggle because that's the nature of football. But you're absolutely right. And again, I think Saturday was a clear example of just the gulf between Palace and yeah. one of the promoted teams, at least, which should give us a bit of bit of confidence. Um, I think at your point about having Cahill and Inter Tompkins or whatever is absolutely right. I mean, we'd be I'd be terrified if that was the case. And that that weirdly feels like it would have been typical Palace. And, and actually, we've gone down a very sensible route and we're sort of untypical Palace at the moment, yeah. really, with the way we're, we're approaching this. Um, oh, and Jesse, if, if Kevin's right about Harry Kane going to City, definitely get him in your fantasy team if you're uh-huh. still struggling because uh, <laughs> that is an absolute guarantee no matter how much he is. Um, I'll tell you, Zaha is very much underpriced at 7 million because um, his pre-season reminds me very much of 12 months ago where he's just scored a few. And then he scored a bundle as the season started. So uh, yeah, he will be interesting to, to watch. Well, well, on my uh, on my shortlist, but uh, that's that first run of games is uh, is putting me off. Let me just go through the games really quickly, just so we all know what they are. Chelsea away, Brentford at home, West Ham away, and then you've got into September, Tottenham at home, Liverpool away, Brighton at home, Leicester at home, into October. Arsenal away, Newcastle at home, City away, Wolves at home. And then from early November, it's Wolves, Burnley, Villa, Leeds, then Man U, Everton. It's really, it's not a kind fixture list at all, really. And it does mean that you've got, as you guys have pinpointed there, your your Brentford, your West Ham, Brighton, Newcastle. They're going to have to be winnable games. But it's the it's the Premier League. You're going to have to play these teams. So every season we say, how come we seem to be playing the difficult team every week, and Brighton are playing Burnley every week? But you, you, you have to play them. At you know, some Brighton stage. got first game of the season, Kevin. Yeah, Burnley, Burnley away. Yeah, it's, it is quite unusual to play at Stamford Bridge, at Anfield, at uh, the Emirates, and at the Etihad Stadium within the first two or three months. So I mean, you'd sort of hope that you get at least one of those at home and get an atmosphere, so you might be able to make best of uh, home advantage. So for me, it's, it's not just that we're playing the good teams because you have to do that, obviously, in the Premier League. But it's just the fact that they're, they're all away, all at the start. Um, equally, you know, if we can get one or two draws from those games, just sneak a point here or there, then it bodes well for late in the season because you don't have to play those guys away again. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I'm looking later on as well. It does get a bit, it does get a bit kinder around Christmas, but um, we don't have a particularly favourable run <laughs> really anywhere but it just it, but as kevin said it means if we can get through those first few weeks and actually ride the storm a little bit then um i think it could hopefully open up into uh you know quite a decent season but we'll just have to see we will again pre-season as you said guys said earlier it's difficult to really sort of review too much because it is only pre-season the acid test will be chelsea and then brentford um before we move on, I'm going to get you guys' predictions in a minute in part three. Um, we have had a question about the kits. We've now seen all the kits, Kevin. First, mm. second, third. Um, so questions from Magic CPFC. Hey, Magic. Hey, Magic. One of, our, one of our regulars says, can the team rate the three kits out of 10 to see what is the best average score? I'm going for third kit nine based on its meaning and how different it is. Wow, that's generous. Um, home kit seven. Away kit six. Welcome back to the new season. And then Mielenstein Mielenstein says, "Is our new home kit deliberately based to dazzle on the dazzle paint scheme applied to warships to confuse the enemy? And will it work?" So, Kevin, what do you think about that? And let's get your rating on the three kits. That's a great question. That the, the dazzle paint scheme. That's a proper military historian. Am I going to have to that Google one? that? Is that more for me to Google? No, 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 no. It's um. Uh, it was a camouflage process adopted in World War One, where ships were painted in a uh, different shades of grey and light blue in diagonal stripes oh. uh, in order to break up their profile on these 
on the ocean, so to speak. Um, so probably I imagine it wasn't part of the kit designer's brief that we were able to avoid U-boats by <laughs> looking like the pledge. Um, uh, yeah, I, I still, I'm, the jury's still out for me on the diagonal home kit, I have to say. So seven for that. The way kit's all right, it's fine. It's yellow, great, seven. Uh, and just to annoy street, I'm going 11 for the third kit. <laughs> Wait, I've just realised that uh, I don't there. have good enough maths to do this off the top of my head. I'm going to have to start making notes. That's uh, 25 altogether. Seven. No, you went seven, seven, eleven. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That, that is 25. Good maths. Let's get Andy's rating then. Come it's on. It's not then. good Give maths. Us. It's adding up three very small numbers. <laughs> it's good for really? me. It's good maths for me. I, well, I was impressed by it, Kevin, but uh, the I really well. like the home kit. I, I particularly like Palace's stock control of it because I took my son, who's four, to his first ever match on Saturday for a friendly. Oh. And had they had the home kit in, I would expect to have been about 80 quid lighter. As it was, all he wanted was a wristband. Hey. So thank you very much, Palace. You saved me a significant amount of money. Uh, I'm going to give that one a nine. Oh, I, oh, I, I, I I really like the uh, away kit too. Um, it's got sort of a the, the sort of shadow weave has a, a bit of a 90s vibe to it, I think, which I quite like. And um, it looks quite clean and cool on the post. So I'm going to give that uh, an eight because I quite like that. And not to annoy Kevin, but just because I know how averages work, I'm going to give the third kit a two. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a 4.5 or a 4.75 there or something, just to be really annoying. Um, I'll give the third kit a five. It, it's, it's a nice enough shirt that it leaves me a little bit nonplussed. I really hope there's a prog rock group something called Shadow Weave. <laughs> <laughs> You'd go and see Shadow Weave, wouldn't you? Do yeah, you would. going to see them with Endicott at Cafe Osso in Hackney <laughs> next week. Yeah, supported by Noon Whistle as well. Um, Jesse, let's get your ratings. I also hoped there was a metal band called Leatherhead. There must be one out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will be a nerdy design uh, uh, designer about this. So um, start off with the away kit. So that obviously let's go in the order of release. So the yellow kit came out, <laughs> came out first. Um, then I can track track my cynicism a bit easier. So the the yellow shirt came first, and the stripe doesn't finish properly. It finishes early. It doesn't go right to the top. It's sort, of, it's sort of got some band across the top of the shoulders, which means the stripes looks like it comes up a bit, bit short, which I think a few people have observed. And I think that they kind of did that again with the home shirt, that the stripes don't go over the top. I think, so let's, let's give the yellow one a five, because I think it's just, it's not too uh, imaginative. I think it's just rehashing old shirts, but not as well. Um, the third kit, as people have pointed out, says, 1905 on our badge, but 1861 on the back. So uh, I'm sure industry has a field day with that. They need to fix that. When were we born? I'm not sure anymore. Um, (laughs) um, And being a design geek, I would have had a word with W88, the sponsor, about trying to make their sponsor look a bit somehow a nod back to the past. In the same way we made our badge all black and white. I know that they've made theirs all black, but it just looks strangely modern against the rest of it. So we'd have done something there. And then the home kit, I'm a big fan of these diagonal stripes. We've talked about them on the the, the pod we did in the, in the earlier in the summer gym and the FYP branding. We've had the diagonal stripes for about six years now. Um, I just would have changed the angle a little bit so they looked exactly like the sashes do. They're just sort of slightly the wrong angle for me. And I don't like those blue, there's a bit of a fussy blue detail between the red and blue stripes. I would have gone straight red and blue diagonal stripes and I would have wrapped it all the way around the shirt. I think I would look super smart, but I do like it. So I'll go five for the yellow, seven for the third and eight for the home. All the poor sword wanted was marks out of ten. <laughs> just, I saw, all my questions was marks out of ten. I forgot what it was. <laughs> I'm now knee deep in really cool. He, need, I think, yeah, he needs the extra time. We've got a pad for at least twenty more minutes while he works out whether or not he needs to right. go with the mean or the median. I don't know what these words are. Okay, all right. Okay, uh, let me give you my scores quickly. I'm going to give the home kit an eight because it looks a lot better than, I, than it did when it was released and it looks very good in the flesh on Saturday. The yellow kit a five. I agree with Jesse. It's just it feels a bit sort of unfinished. Um, and the third kit. I've actually bought it 
I'm not a massive fan of it, but I think it's going to go down as a bit of a cult classic. So one that's worth owning. But I do as a design, it's quite nice. It's not very palace, but it's quite cool. So I'm going to give that a seven. Which means that adding up seven plus seven is fourteen plus five is nineteen. <laughs> 20 30 okay which means out of a score of now 40 so sorry mutant steam but we've 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 changed the ranking uh the home the home kit gets 32 out of 40 oh the away kit gets 25 out of 40 mm. and the third kit gets 30 out of 40 so the home kit is the most popular there it's a very roundabout way of getting to that final point um but there you go rigorously reviewed kits <laughs> on the FYP podcast. Let's what are you talking quick... about? Jesse's a highly paid designer. At least he doesn't want to give us proper design Paul was asking me, was... colourblind lawyer right there. No one cares what I think. Just go to Jesse next time. Uh, right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, predictions for the season. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Right, welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Sponsored by Beer 52. Go to beer52.com forward slash FYP to claim your free case of eight delicious craft beers right now. Um, we had a question from NathCell90. Hi, Nath. Who says, early predictions for league position, top scorer, player of the season, young player and best signing. There's quite a lot of categories, Nath. We are going to do that now because we did predictions at the start of the summer. So I feel we'll sort of revisit it now. We've had a full preseason signings. Vieira in charge for a bit and see what the guys think. This is going to be a patron only section though. So if you're listening on patron, uh, you will hear us now. Um, if you're not, I'm going to do you a little clip from this week's pod extra to give you a taster of what's available on patron. But if you want to hear our predictions for the season, go to patron.com forward slash FYP podcast. Um, just want to quickly say thank you to all our patrons again uh, for all the support that you're you're giving us. We really do appreciate it. Um, and again, to our patrons in the pod chat, it's always good, good, uh, good fun. Lots of discussion about ITKs and things like that. So really enjoy that one. Um, but yeah, so uh, we've got a question from Pete Carter, and he asks uh, on the the topic of kind of Adam Armstrong uh, between now and then. Uh, and the end of the transfer window, what business would you like to see and not see with regards to incoming and outgoing players? Um, Dom, what are your thoughts? Are we? You mentioned kind of a striker and a winger, maybe. Is is that what Palace? Are, do you think that's what Palace are going to be looking at doing? I would, I would guess so. Yeah, I think that that would that would make the sense and offer them a bit more depth. It, it may be they don't have the money to do both. Um, that they may look at the pre-season performances of Rexaki and, and Banks and think, well, maybe we don't need to, to, to do both. And maybe if we get a player that can do both jobs, then that, that might um, fulfil that criteria. But I think that would be taking a risk, personally. And, yeah. and I think if, if there are people out there that Palace feel they can get in, then they will probably uh, go down that road. And, and the fact they they are being aggressive, they are being active in this market... Still now, with their, the pursuit of Armstrong was real. It was, it was uh, it emerged late. It wasn't a player that, that I think. I don't think he was a player that they, they'd earmarked like six months back. I think they just there's an opportunity there. A player going into his last year of his contract, um, and clearly they had a limit as to what they were prepared to pay for him. And as it stands at the moment, it looks as if that isn't going to be enough. I, I'm, I'm always in the same way that we always talk about having pictures of players holding up the shirt etc and, and then knowing that a deal is done I've, I think that the briefing out of Southampton certainly earlier today was don't don't get too ahead of yourself on this one, This that there is still potential for this to go south um, 
although I think this, this, the story has changed since, and, and my colleague Dan Sheldon in Southampton has put out the story this evening saying that the personal terms have been agreed. Um, I, th- I think Palace thought that Armstrong did actually want to go to them, but um, ultimately he may play more first-team football at Southampton given mm-hmm. that Danny Ings has been sold. Yeah. I think it also comes down to the fact that if Crystal Palace aren't going to offer what Southampton have offered as a fee, then even if you want to go to Crystal Palace, the the only move that he has at the moment is to go to Southampton and play Premier League football there. So I don't know if that's I don't know. I think I think there, there was potential there for him to say no, I'm not going to Southampton. Right. Palace's offer isn't that far off Southampton, so maybe right. towards the end of the window. Blackburn they you. might have accepted it yeah, yeah. but right, players do that don't I? I can't remember what podcast I was listening to it might have been the Peter Crouch one or another one but like and I don't know if it's still the case or maybe just a 90s or 2000s thing but like some clubs will go to a player and be like yes we're offering less to their club but like if you want to make this move happen then you need yeah. to maybe have a word of your club or have a word of your agent and, and the onus goes on the player 700 words on this very topic which is published this morning on players and how they deal with transfer sagas and how they yeah how they manoeuvre moves, um, and I mean that was that was written very much in the in the sort of Kane Grealish messy yeah. situation in mind, but it works across the board. And you, you talk to people up and down the pyramid, and, and it's it's the same. Players who really are adamant they want to move to a certain club are encouraged by those buying clubs to to agitate, and that can yeah. be that can that can be from going and having a chat with the manager, making clear where you are, talking to the chief exec, the chairman. It can be being dis- deliberately disruptive in training, yeah, and, and you know kicking balls all over the place when you're meant to be passing to a teammate. It can be, <laughs> I mean, it's it can be going on strike. I mean, it's all these things happen, and it's it's uh, the whole subplot drama to every transfer move out there is quite yeah. fascinating. It's interesting, yeah. I mean, we've seen it happen. We've got a Welsh goalkeeper famously stopped playing for his club when he joined us in January 2014, I believe. So yeah. we have seen it work both ways, but. Um, yeah, so I just find that interesting that actually players, it's not just a case of players are told, right, you're sold, you're off, you know, or whatever, or no, you're not. There is actually onus on them to uh, to get involved. So, uh, yeah, interesting side of the transfer sort of scenario that I'm not really... And also, when else in your life do you agitate for something? You only ever <laughs> agitate for a move in a transfer scenario don't you? you you know that bit where you walked out of the house that story time i, I suspect <laughs> there may have been a certain agitation left behind <laughs> i was agitating for a pod appearance was i yeah well, your well, daughter no, you... was agitating for oh, a story right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about you isn't it jd dearie yes. me uh, yes. <laughs> have Is... you met me <laughs> i guess the the other part of pete's question was uh whether we see any players leaving um I can't really see it. There was talk of Kiate potentially going to Turkey, but I th- it doesn't seem to be the kind of move that Palace would look to do, does it? Does it, Dom, to you? I can see why he would want to go if, if an offer was on the table and he's got a year left. And I think he only has to look at, at uh, some of his former teammates and how they've been released this summer to realise that, that there may not be a two, three-year contract on the offer from Crystal mm. Palace at some point over this season. But... Um, it wouldn't make any sense Palace selling, no. It would it's just another hole to fill. Um and yeah. time is ticking down. We've only got another three weeks or so until the transfer deadline passes. So the last thing Palace want to be doing is making their own problems. Um the other the other part I, I did wonder whether if the, things I wouldn't want to see happening and this is gonna sound like a dreadful killjoy because I love the fella to bits. Um and he provided so many wonderful memories for all Crystal Palace supporters, but I really hope, I really hope that pursuit of a winger doesn't lead into a free transfer to Yannick Balassi, because I just don't think it will do his reputation at Crystal Palace any good at all. I, I love the fact that he's he's endeared by the supporters, and we all love the memories that he that he he conjures whenever we think about his performances for the club. But I don't think he'd be the same player if he came back, and I think that might uh, besmirch that legacy a bit. So we I'm had not, a question. I do, I do have a oh sorry, Rob. I do have a slight ITK. Exclusive oh, here, here. Um, No it's not massive And it's not actually that shocking But I did I did an Amazon Prime Twitch stream With Yannick A couple of weeks ago uh, To promote the uh, When Eagles Dare documentary Played a little game show Incredibly nice guy Really really nice I had a lovely chat with him But I did say like oh, Are you going to come back then And he's desperate to come back He really does want to come back And rejoin Palace But even he admitted 
it would be a case of him trying to convince Steve and have to. He said, oh, I might ring him up and chat to him and stuff, but there were no offers forthcoming. And I think he, I'm not sure he had many on the table, but if they were, they were mainly from championship clubs. So I agree with Dom. I think there's there's some scenarios where it's better to be left alone. Like I still sort of think of when David Hopkins came back to Palace in 2002 or 2001 and was just just terrible. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was physically a very different player. I, having said that, was involved in one of my most important ever goals yeah. with one of the most blatant handballs <laughs> that's ever been seen. But in many ways, that is still an involvement uh, in a, yeah, I mean, obviously that goal, hadn't scored that, we'd be in a much different position as a club now. So still having an effect, David Hopkins, despite, uh, yeah, but I think there's, we had that with so many players down the years, haven't we, where it's, it's, be- it's best just to leave the memories and let them, the only one really that's worked out, I think in that regard is, is bringing Wilf back. But he was so young at the time, there was still ch- time for him to grow and improve but i would it was lovely to see yannick back on saturday and uh waving to the crowd and stuff and he'll always hold a special place in all of our hearts and he's always welcome back anytime and he's welcome but on the podcast should he ever want to come on as a guest we'd love to have him on but i think uh some memories are best sort of left as they were that that was a question from rob actually he just asked if if we would you know if he could prove his fitness would you give him a short-term contract it's a really difficult one because he's such an enthusiastic character and he's such a lovely he does really come across as a really lovely bloke but I kind of feel like if we're going to have players on the bench I'd rather have it being a Raksaki or someone like that to to kind of to give them a chance and that's kind of I think that's also the way that Palace would look at it is offering a 29 year old winger a contract when you've got you know, a 18, 19 year old, you know, hotshot that is that that they've got a lot of hopes for. You would you would always go with the younger option, I think, because of the because of the the development opportunities that come with that. Um, I know that when it comes to he was introduced to the crowd. For anyone that wasn't there, he was introduced to the crowd on uh, on Saturday, um, and he was just there as a guest of the club. Um, he, it wasn't to do with any kind of any kind of contractual thing. It was just that he, he was there watching the game. Uh, and from my understanding, I think Steve Browett basically saw him there and asked him if he wanted to go on the pitch. And he said, yeah. So that's what he did. He went on the pitch, was introduced at half time. Everybody said hello to, to Yannick and, and that was it. But I don't, I don't think the impression I get is that if they wanted to sign Yannick, they would have done that by now. Um, and so it's yeah. amazing. It's sh- just looking at his career path here, it's, um, He's thirty-two, incidentally, which is which surprises oh. me. There's me, twenty-nine. Twenty-nine, very optimistic, but yeah. but he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven clubs, one hundred and sixteen start Premier League start, or sorry, one hundred and sixteen league starts for Crystal Palace. The next most was thirty-three at Plymouth, twenty-three at Everton. He's never and twenty-four at Floriana FC, which I think was is it Cyprus or someone like that. Or Malta, Malta, but yeah. he's he's never managed twenty league starts at any of the other clubs he's been at, and it's absolutely that's absolutely astonishing, really, over the years. It's 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 really sad for Yannick because I think he 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 was such a good player for us, and then that that injury happened at Stoke away, where it basically oh, yeah. uh, caused a lot of problems for him, and it's it was a re- I think it ended up being a recurring injury that he then suffered again at, at Everton, having made that big move and. You know, you, when you make a move like that to Everton or to any club, and, and it's that kind of it's your big opportunity, you really just want to be able to play games. And he just never really got that yeah. opportunity. And he spent a lot of time on loan at other clubs at, at um, uh, Lis- Sporting Lisbon. I think he yeah. spent some time. And and, Bruno yeah. Fernandes. Yeah, so he's he's had he's had these loan spells, and it just hasn't really happened for him. And it's a, it is a shame, but I, I, as we said, it's kind of I think it's one of those that we've moved on from and and. Good luck to him. Hopefully he finds a new club and it'll work out really but well. I, I wonder if... play as many games as he can. Also, Nathaniel Klein, another player that's come back and done okay for us. So there are there are more. Um, I wonder if with Yannick, some players just fit some clubs, don't they? And Yannick, at that time in his career, in our time as a club developmentally, it was the perfect fit and it was just meant to be. And, you know, sometimes some players just have that perfect scenario and perfect club where they're meant to be at that club at that time. And clearly that was Yannick for us. But... As you say, it's been very unlucky with, with injuries since then. And uh, we basically saw the best years of Yannick at Palace in mm. those five or six years. And uh, we were very, very lucky to do that because it was... Uh, there, were, there, were, there were few players as entertaining, I think, as Yannick during that time, probably anywhere. He was, uh, he was fantastic. 
He was enigmatic as well. You know, he's, he's one of those players you could just give the ball and you really would not know what was going to happen next. And sometimes the ball would go out of play <laughs> or, you know, you'd end, up with, you'd end up with situations where he'd lose possession. But there were so many moments that were memorable, the, the, the moment against Spurs and things like that. The it sounds Wolf, like I we're kind the, of talking about his career as if he's retired. Yeah. But The Wolf goal know. away at Liverpool where he faces up Lovren, I think it was, and does the little sweep does of the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. who, who, no one's done that pass. Before. It's absolutely just bizarre, but just so yannick. He threw him off, though, yeah, didn't he? Threw Lovren off. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fabric Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. Beautiful. Uh, right. I did, I did build this as a question special. And as I normally do, I've run out of time for questions. So let's just do... <laughs> let's do one or two here from our listeners. Rob McCormack Carpentry. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. He's got a little advert in there. What a clever boy, Rob. Very, very sneaky. Any idea I thought it was double-barreled. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be very lucky if you were also a carpenter as well. So there you go. Um, Any idea who our captain will be this season? For me, I'd like to see it given to Wolf or Jimmy Mack. Am I right in saying Jimmy was very vocal from the stands while injured last season? Yes. Mm. Great pod as always. Thank you, Rob. Um, Yes, if there is no Lucas to start the season with, Kevin, who's your armband going to? In accordance with the theme we discussed earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Kiati, to be perfectly honest, um, or Jimmy Mack. I think it will be a midfield player. I would guess that uh, Vieira would would want a midfield player to be captain. But again, we're, we're the only country that really takes the idea of captain seriously. And, it, and it, every other country abroad, the captain is somebody who shakes hands and tosses the coin. Really, you'd expect natural leaders to come to the fore. But I, I would guess it'd be a midfield player, and I would guess Kiati definitely. I mean, Wilf, I think, was captain on Saturday. I'm not sure, actually. But uh, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? The, the rejuvenation of Kiate seems to be a the theme of this week's pod, mm. the title. So we are certainly, you know, building him up maybe to have a big season, which would be lovely. Maybe he'll get player of the season. Who knows? Um, just, just another question quickly here, Andy, from Tony G. It probably deserves a longer conversation, and we haven't sort of running out of time but what would represent success this season and how long a grace period will Vieira get before he becomes under pressure we sort of discussed that already in the in the podcast but what would represent a successful season for Palace this season staying up as ever um, particularly given the extent of transition that we're seeing so I, I think it's it that, that has to be the primary aim in terms of Vieira I, I think he will be given some uh, tolerance by the, the club based on how difficult the fixtures are. I think the thing that they'll be looking for is, is, is the level of performance commensurate with what we're looking for. And is the level of performance suggested that once we play less strong teams, that we'll start gaining some points. If it starts falling apart in the way that the ball era was on and off the pitch, and that's a different matter, but provided that there is something there and a kind of potential, uh, improvement and, um, uh, improvement in the results as a result as a result of that then I I, I think he'll be yeah I, I don't think we'll be seeing him sent out on his uh, on his way within you know months if that's the case yeah I think you're right but survival has to be the ambition but um, I'm sure there'll be more ambition going into it as well but uh, I think for this season staying up probably is a success especially given that pretty much every pundit in the country has predicted us to go down including Chris Sutton who I heard on Five Live yesterday as well so uh He's on the list. Um, here's a question, Jesse, for you from PD Eagle, 1984. A PD Eagle, 1984. And it's back to questions of old from uh, years gone by. Would you rather fight Mile Jednak <laughs> or sleep with Ian Dowie? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had a question like this for years. It just felt like the right time to shove it in. So uh, that, that's, yeah, this one's for you. It's clearly, I'd rather fight Mile. Um, he's not as aggressive as he used to be 
needs to calm down a bit. We're talking about Melee now or Melee 2014. Do you know what? I reckon there's probably not much difference. I think he's probably in still pretty good shape. He's probably calmed down a bit. Yeah, I'd fight Melee. Um, yeah, I'd say, do you know I am? Daniel Fark. <laughs> well, I imagine Ian Dow is probably quite a surprisingly sensitive lover because we learned that he was the best dancer at the club. Remember? So, yeah, that came as a surprise. So, mm. who knows? No, probably I, has, I probably a, Good probably question. Has, though. Probably has good bounce back ability throughout the evening. <laughs> That's enough bouncing back now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to sleep here, for the love of God. <laughs> Stop bouncing back. Stay. <laughs> He's coming in again. It's like Tigger. <laughs> anyway, uh, there you go. An, uh, an old style question. Thank you very much for that. Um, let's move on to our Chelsea preview. We've got a game this weekend. First game of the season. So we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll preview the Chelsea game. Uh, first game of the new season. Welcome back to the Five Pound Podcast. Hey! Sponsored this week by our friends at Beer52. Go to beer52.com forward slash FYP to claim your free case of eight delicious craft beers right now. Uh, right, two questions from our listeners uh, ahead of the Chelsea game. Cosmo Eagle. Hey, Cosmo. Cosmo. Uh, what do you think our strongest lineup possible is for the Chelsea game? And then Crispin Chapel. Hi, Christian. Hey, Christian. It's been suggested that Chelsea wears a tough start, but have you considered that they will also be in a state of apprehension and not necessarily fully match prepared and ready? Plus, for a change, Chelsea are the com- Palace are the complete unknown here. New manager, mm. new team, new strategy. I can't one. I for one can't think of a better time to play them away. They do also, Kevin, have a midweek European Super Cup game, I believe, against they do Villarreal in Belfast. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, uh, what do you think about Crispin's comment, and what do you think the strongest lineup? In terms of the lineup, I don't, it's it's really hard to tell until you've seen all the players t- together on the pitch. To be honest, it's it's a shame that Gallagher can't start in his, the very first game because it'll be interesting to see whether Vieira's got a different strategy for when Gallagher plays and when he he doesn't play. Uh, but I, I think sometimes, yeah, the, the first day of the season is full of unpredictable results. It's you know, there's always inevitably one of the promoted teams will will beat somebody quite good, and everyone goes, oh, they're they're good, and they're not. It's it's probably going to be hot, like you say. Chelsea have got a midweek game; they've got new players to integrate. So you, it's I'm I'm not overly pessimistic. I think. We, you know, you don't want to see it fall apart, basically. But and until we've actually seen Palace play competitively, it's it's almost impossible to predict how mm. how we're going to be. But I'm I'm not as terrified as some other people seem to think seem to be. Basically, I'm I'm actually can't wait to see how we look, how we play, how you know what the energy levels are like. Are we still fit at the end of the game? Because all the players are talking about being fitter than they've ever been before, which is good but also possibly a, an indictment of previous regimes if because the, the one thing you would hope for is that your players are 100% fit and ready for the premier league so i'm i'm just fascinated i'm just really interested so yeah it is an, it is an exciting time i i i read somewhere that vieira's got them doing double sessions so yeah, that might yeah, um, yeah. explain the sort of the fitness issues um andy we were sort of saying on saturday the Watford game we thought the starting lineup for that would probably be the starting lineup for saturday which would mean uh, still waiting on Anderson and Luca and Mateta possibly up top. Do you think he has earned a, a starting place? So we know Benteke is playing right now against Brentford B, which may well be the club getting him up to speed. But uh, do you think we'll be the same? And he scored. Benteke huh? scored. There oh, there you go. Live yeah. updates on the podcast. There you go. It's one one. Um, uh, I, I think there's. Yeah, I, I would expect. Oh, sorry, that was my battery. You might have to cut that. Um, I would expect. Vieira to be slightly cautious with that lineup um, and not go with um, Cavalier abandon. And uh, I would expect it to be pretty similar to the lineup against Watford, as, as we said on Saturday. I mean, I, I think ultimately he will know that Mateto is still pretty raw at this level. Um, there might be a call for him to play uh, regularly the more the season goes on, but I, I think he will, yeah, go fairly contained and probably start with Ben Tekeler. And Jesse, what are your thoughts on that comment from Crispin about Chelsea actually maybe sort of being 
slightly underprepared as well, and that the unknown factor of Palace could actually sort of uh, work in our favour. I'll definitely try and watch the Villarreal game tomorrow night. Be good because to get insight on who they're resting for Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, possibly. I do feel that Tuchel rode a very good wave, uh, a fortunate wave last season. I'm not saying it was a fluke that they won the Champions League or anything, but he seemed to be a bit of a lucky manager last year in the same way that Di Matteo was when he won it. So I do wonder um, if he'll get a bit more of a kind of reality check this season, just as things level out for him. Um, I think Lukaku will still be too fresh to make go straight in the team. Um, so I'm hopeful that they don't sort of start the season all powerful. Um, but it could go either way. Like you say, last Kevin, beginning of last season, the Liverpool leads 4-3 opening game that that's mm. the sort of thing that's going to happen somewhere mm. across across the, the fixture list so yeah I, as I said earlier I just I hope we don't get too scarred in that game it, that means like not just the result but also injuries and just the general kind of baptism for Vieira I hope it's mm. just hope it, it turns out pleasantly surprising for him um, and Chelsea don't start with their tail up let's see what how they look tomorrow night also that that point about us being the unknown quantity for once I think it's a really valid one because in seasons gone by, especially the last three seasons, every team that plays us, you, you only need a twenty-minute session because you know exactly how we're going to how we're going to line up. And, and now I don't think, you know, Chelsea, Brentford, they'd probably be all thinking I'd much rather be playing the Palace of last year because they don't. Yeah. I, we can't predict what way we're going to line up. What what formation we're going to do and, and so they certainly won't be able to so there'll be a lot of teams wanting to see us play in the first couple of weeks so it's it's, it's different that's that's what I'm excited about it's and hope it, it could be bad different but you know it is different and that's what 80% of Palace fans wanted that there was such a clamour last season for for some sort of change and they've got change so let's hope that the, the, the ambition that we've shown is rewarded Absolutely. I think that's a good place to end the episode on as well. A very positive episode again. So um, we will see what happens with this. Brave I don't, well, 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 it was one quarter positive. It was me being positive and you three young as being really this predicting the wheels are going to come off already 14th, could be 17th. <laughs> I've already upgraded from 17th to 14th. Yeah. That's, that's positive. Only because I shamed you into it. Yeah, very true. Yeah. I'm going to downgrade from 14th to 17th, please. <laughs> Just so the median is the same or the other. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you, 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 you just got to look at the, the, the recent history, though. We've stayed up seven or eight years, and every manager that's kept us up has been the old guard. You know, no one's kept us up in a, from a rookie manager situation in their first season of the Prem. It's just not that's not happened for us ever. So let's 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 uh, let's let's be pleasantly surprised, come May. All right, we'll end on we'll end on that note then. Well, that's, that's not quite as positive as it was ninety seconds ago. But never mind. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for joining me and previewing that game. We'll be back next week reviewing that Chelsea game, and of course, there'll be a post-match podcast available immediately after Chelsea game um, at patreon.com forward slash fyp podcast. So sign up there if you want to hear immediate reactions to that game at Stanford Bridge. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.